This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi there, it's Alice Cash from Jubilance for PMS, and welcome to this week of Weekly Woman. This week, we're talking about women's bodies, first with the history of feminine products, and then with a naturopathic doctor that recently started her own medical practice in San Diego. Stay tuned. Thank God for tampons and menstrual cups. Have you ever talked to your mom or older female relatives about what they use for their periods when they first got them? It's a little bit dystopian, a little bit monstrous, and a huge sigh of relief that you live in this decade. Women of the past had far fewer periods and issues with PMS than they do presently. American women are menstruating much earlier than before, and women were pregnant more and more, thus putting their periods on hold back in the day. So we're experiencing far more discomfort, but it's become a lot more manageable with products of today. We can have safe, clinically proven PMS relief delivered to our doorsteps, but have you ever thought about how the menstrual technologies began? Before 1985, the word period hadn't been uttered on American television. That all changed during a Tampax commercial when Courtney Cox said period as opposed to a euphemism like that time of the month. This taboo with menstruation kept technological advancements from being engineered. With all of us shouting about the period tax and bleeding, we're shattering the anathema this bodily function inspired in the society. In ancient Greece, women were believed to need to bleed regularly and heavily, and if they didn't, they needed medical remedies to help with their periods. They were thought of as having a flesh that was more sponge-like, being able to absorb more fluids from their eating and drinking, and then once a month, the fluid would come out. In Hippocratic text from the 5th century, if the period didn't come, the blood might be rotten and go on to hurt other parts of the body. There's not much written about how these women fared with their periods or what they did about it, but we do know that women in Europe in the 1600s and 1700s used interchangeable fabrics, which they would wash between uses like a reusable pad of sorts. This is where we get the expression being on the rag. At the turn of the 20th century, scientists began to question concerns about bacterial growth from dirty rags and created the menstrual hygiene market. In 1896, Lister's towels became the first disposable sanitary napkin on the market. The first menstrual cup patents were also taken out around this time. They were first made of aluminum, and there were even rubber pants created for menstruation. Underwear lined with rubber, I kid you not. World War I actually was helpful in the menstruation development. With such a bloody war, nurses realized that cellulose was a lot better at absorbing blood than traditional cloth. And so after the war in 1918, the first cellulose and sanitary napkin came into being. World War II also changed the way women needed to work. They were being called into factories and needed to be able to work long hours. These new pads helped to shape that. The pads were strapped into a belt that rode over a woman's hips, and then, like a thong, the disposable pad was then strapped into the underwear. The 1930s brought the first disposable tampons. They were first patented in 1933 as Tampax, and they were created due to hygiene concerns about the closeness of pads to the rear. At the time, tampons were an unthinkable product because of moral concerns about virginity and family planning. But tampons created freedom for a new kind of women— They allowed for physical activity like swimming and dancing, more freedom of movement, and tighter clothing. 
It wasn't until 1969 that the first maxi pad had an adhesive strip that was invented. There was no longer a need for the belt. Today, with birth control, women can bypass monthly menstruation and they can choose new kinds of products to help them with their period from the absorbent underwear to cups, as well as the tampons and pads and even a supplement to help with the anxieties and stresses of PMS. There are so many new ways to help address the monthly part of our experience as women, and we're shattering the taboo one step at a time. I'm so excited to introduce our second portion of the show with the amazing Dr. Golightly. So Dr. Carly Golightly is a licensed naturopathic doctor and founder of Empower Med Integrative Clinic in San Diego, California. In addition to practicing medicine, Dr. Golightly is passionate about expanding the rights of Indies nationwide and has been elected to lead via the California Indie Board of Directors. She is also dedicated to bringing naturopathic medicine to underserved communities and frequently participates in medical mission trips. Dr. Golightly discovered naturopathic medicine through her own teenage struggles with crippling anxiety, hormonal imbalance, and IBS. Frustrated with the pills her doctors offered her, she went outside the box seeking truth about healing. Through years of personal research and trial and error, Dr. Golightly was able to overcome her own health issues. We're so excited to have you on today. Yeah, thanks for asking me to be on today, Alice. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for being a part of this. Um, We kind of start the podcast off with some like quick uh, questions. Um, What is your favorite place in San Diego? Okay, so I'm a, I'm a San Diego local. I actually grew up here. Oh, so wow. I have to say that my favorite place, I've been going there since I was a kid, and it's kind of always been one of my escapes, is Sunset Cliffs and Ocean Beach. So, oh. you know, have you ever been down there where you drive, you drive all the way down, and then there's kind of like ends in this dirt parking lot. Yes. You can just look over the cliffs and out into the ocean. It's my favorite spot in San Diego, and it's regularly where I go when I just need to like clear my head. Wow, that's lovely. Where is your practice in San Diego? I'm in Rancho Bernardo. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sunset cliffs are gorgeous. I know. It's amazing. It's a very special place in San Diego. Wow. Um, What is your favorite dessert you've ever concocted? Okay, so I had a lot of fun thinking about all the different desserts. (laughs) I love love baking. It's been something that I've just enjoyed my whole entire life. So, um, but the best dessert I've made recently is I made carrot cake cupcakes from scratch. And then I made a homemade cream cheese frosting and topped it with sea salt and crushed pecans. Oh it my gosh. Like out of this world. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Do you give these to like all your friends? Is- <laughs> no, I, I should though. I should. I actually made them for, what did I make them for? It was for someone's birthday. I'm having trouble remembering whose it was now, but I made it for a birthday party. And then I kind of got in, in the swing of making them. And then I had these cupcakes at my house, like on a regular oh, basis, which is dangerous to that's do. That's amazing. And yeah, it was amazing, but also horrible because I was eating them like No. <laughs> I haven't had them for a while, mostly because it just got a little scary for a minute there. Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Wow. Um, what is your favorite place you've ever traveled? So I've actually been all over the world. I've, I've been to Thailand. I've been to Australia. But quite honestly, my favorite places are here in California. Um, really? So the, yes. So I've done a lot of backpacking in my life. So I've done a lot on the Pacific Crest Trail up through the Sierra Nevadas and all that wow. stuff. And I have to say that is 
probably one of the most beautiful places in the world. And it's right here in our backyard. It's, it's not far away at all. And then I also love um, ja Joshua Tree National Park. That's another place that oh. I am amazed by. And so beautiful. Wow. I've never been there, but I've been That's wanting to go on like a road trip in COVID go. times. And now, right now is the perfect time of year to go too. Uh, oh, I've got to make it there. Okay. It's worth it. It's <laughs> Seals so the deal. <laughs> yeah. It's done. Yes. <laughs> okay. If you could have any other profession, what would it be? I would actually go into regenerative agriculture. What is that? I know. That's what everyone says. So basically, regenerative agriculture is the use of... Um, basically the use of agriculture in a way that like regenerates the soil and allows it to become stronger and more fertile over time instead of less fertile. So oh. a lot of people don't know, but like the way that we, the way that we um, basically use conventional meats and the way that we use monocropping to create all of our plant products is actually destroying the soil. Mm -hmm. And so the, what regenerative farmers are doing is they're actually regenerating the soil using plants and animals that work together um, like you would find out in, in normal ecology right huh. so create this little like nice little ecosystem that allows the soil to, to basically um, continue to be as healthy as it originally was huh oh that's so interesting because I've heard of like the slash and burn idea or like rotating crop um, yeah. like onto different fields but that's so fascinating yeah, yeah, isn't it? I, I there's a couple of places. Um, there's one place in particular out in Georgia called White Oak Pastures that's been oh. doing this for a while, and um, and they're fantastic. It's starting to gain in popularity, and there's actually been some research done on it that you know regenerative agriculture might have the ability to help us with some of our our, our carbon emission issues. Um, mm. Basically, help to save the planet, essentially. Oh, interesting. So. Yeah, so it's something that I think everyone needs to know about because huh. it's it's incredible, and you know it's just these these farmers that are just clunking away doing their thing. Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. And are you a big gardener yourself? Then, like, do you have a backyard and like trying to? No, I don't. Okay. But I do. <laughs> well, I live in I live in a condo, so I don't really oh, have. okay. I have like a, a raised planter where I attempt to grow some things. That's but, good. You know, it's 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 a shot. It's a shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I keep anything alive, it's success. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've got lots of succulents in my house, and I'm pretty good at those. But, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Those are real, those are good. I have some here. Just I just don't touch them and just see what happens. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what has been keeping you busy during quarantine? Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> during quarantine, it was kind of a really interesting time because I actually started my private practice in February, early February. Wow. So I had about five weeks of everything being normal before it all shut down. But it was kind of interesting because it gave me the opportunity to really slow down and sit and think and be intentional about where I wanted to take my business. Right. Uh, so I got the opportunity to spend more time thinking about what do I want my message to the world to be and how do I want to get it out there? 
-hmm. So I, I've really been working on my business and forming a business that I actually am, you know, something I'm proud of, something that I want to share with people and, you know, going on podcasts and stuff like this with you and, you know, writing articles and my website, like all these types of things. So that, that was a big piece of what's been keeping me busy during quarantine is really just Mm -hmm. like working, working on my business and having like a really, truly like purpose driven business that is not here just to make money, but it's here to have like an impact on the world as well. Oh, so that's, that's one thing. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing I've been working on. Um, but then I also picked up some like fun hobbies too. Ooh. So, uh, yeah. So I, I started crocheting again. Wow. I know. I know. Like a little old lady that's um, cool. I made, a, I made a baby blanket for my boyfriend's niece, which was cool. Oh, so and nice. I uh, became obsessed with making the perfect loaf of sourdough bread. So there's been a lot of sourdough bread in my house as well. Yum. Yeah. 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 No kidding. And, um, I started taking dance lessons. Wow. What kind of dance? Everything. Everything. So there is a, there's a dance studio, like a formal dance studio studio down the street from my house. And they do, I originally went there because I wanted to learn country two-step. I love country music. And so I just dance. And so we started, my boyfriend and I started going with that intention but the way that the studio teaches is that they roll in all these different dance styles into their uh-huh. So not only are we learning country two-step, we're learning cha-cha and rumba and waltz and tango, wow. like everything. And it's just been so much fun. And I'm totally, I'm totally addicted now. They got me. Oh, that is so cool. Is it just virtual, like from your, from your living room? Initially it was, they were doing Zoom classes and then now, now they have the studio open so we can all come in, you know, masks and everything and everyone's distanced apart, but they have a nice studio so it works out. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. That's very cool. So we've got to stop and talk about our sponsor, Gbulance for PMS. It's a daily supplement that helps you be you. Gbulance is an over-the-counter nutritional supplement shown in clinical trials to relieve the emotional symptoms of PMS. That means less stress, anxiety, and more of getting back to your life. You deserve to be your best self all month long. And thanks to modern science, PMS is now optional. It's the first and only product for emotional PMS backed by real science with double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed studies. And it works. I work for Jubilance because I'm here to help women, and this is the real deal. Jubilance isn't just a product. It's a global mission to make PMS mood swings a thing of the past. The Jubilant Sisterhood is a movement of thousands of strong women escaping the PMS struggle with science, sharing, and communal support. We're here for you each week with stories of amazing women, your weekly playlist on Spotify, and for you to dish and cry about periods on our Facebook group. So why not give Jubilance a try? Go to www.jubilance.com to learn more. And can you talk a little bit more about your practice? what, what is naturopathic medicine um, yeah. for our listeners? Yeah, this is a fantastic question because most people have no idea what it is, what I do. And when I say I'm a naturopathic doctor, they look at me like, excuse me, what's that? <laughs> so um, just to kind of set the stage and give a little bit of background. So the best way to kind of answer this question, and give people an idea is to talk a little bit about our training. So we go through four years of medical school, um, most of which looks a lot like conventional medical school. So we have our years with all of the ologies. We go through the anatomy, the physiology, biology, biochemistry. We learn, you know, endocrinology, gastroenterology, all these different things. Basically, how how are we going to diagnose and treat stuff, 
right? Yeah. Um, and then we also do clinical training. So we have training with, uh, an, uh, we have an attending physician, we have a resident physician, and we actually see patients in a clinic and administer different therapies and you know, help to treat them. So where everything differs is in our modalities. So the types of things that we use to treat people. So um, in, in conventional medicine, most of what is used is pharmaceuticals, right? Mm -hmm. that's, just, that's just a tool, not good or bad, it's just a tool. So what naturopathic doctors use are not only pharmaceuticals, but we'll use um, botanical medicine, we'll use supplements like amino acids and stuff like that. We use IV therapy, we use mind-body medicine. Um, I trained in regenerative injections. Um, so there's, we just have a much larger toolbox in general to be able to treat people with. And um, so really what it kind of comes down to is not only do we have a difference in modalities, um, we also have a philosophical difference as well. Mm -hmm. So conventional medicine for, for many years has really been focused on what, like what disease. So what's our diagnosis and what pill are we going to give to treat that, mm -hmm. right? Yes. The naturopathic philosophy is more about why. Why is the body imbalanced? Why is this happening? And then how can we restore balance? Mm -hmm. So we use all those tools in our toolbox to answer that question of why. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, that's what a naturopathic doctor does. We're experts at getting down to the root cause of disease and then helping people to restore balance and optimize their lives. Wow. So it's more like a fulfilling and like, as it is integrative medicine. So integrating everything within, within there, as yeah. opposed to just like, here's a pharmaceutical. Absolutely. Um, you wow, got it. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and like since starting your business, um, what has been, I mean, COVID has definitely thrown a wrench in there, but what have you learned about um, opening your own practice and starting a business as a, a female business leader? Well, um, I've learned that I'm going to feel like a novice every single day of my life and <laughs> to be okay with that. Honestly, like something, owning a business can be a very humbling thing because for me, I, I started this business with not a whole heck of a lot. I, I specifically did not want to take out any sort of small business loans or anything like that. So I started very small. Wow. Um, started with the lowest overhead I could possibly find. Um, I actually, you know, got some loans from family members and things like that because I, I really did not want to add on to the mountain of student loan debt that I already had, right? Yeah. So, um, so I, I intentionally started very, very small and have been very dependent on, you know, other members of my community and my contacts and the people that I've, I've um, committed to like pouring my life into to help me build my business. So it's been this very kind of like organic, slowly changing, morphing sort of thing. And um, I, I mean, I, I love it, honestly. It's, it's simultaneously the hardest and most interesting thing I've ever done, which is saying a lot because I went to med school, right? Like I did, <laughs> yeah. I did all of that and then I got out of that. And now I'm like, hey, you know, business is pretty darn hard. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really challenged me in a lot of ways. But I think the way that it's really challenged me is to become more of myself right because people when you especially when you're when you're the face of your business and you're very forward facing and you're doing things like podcasts and talks and things like that or even when you're just face to face with a patient they can tell when you aren't being authentic right like people yes. know right off the bat if you're coming at them with a fake you know you know what i mean like they they know 
So um, for me, it's, it's really challenged me to like step into my own and own who I am. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, it sounds like, I mean, this is the craziest time to open, but it sounds like you're making the best of it and really figuring out like who you are as well as what your business is and yeah. what that voice is. Um, yeah, yeah well, is- I, I truly believe that, that challenges are really a, an opportunity for growth right? And it's all about just kind of re reframing the way that you see the world, right? Like bad things are going to happen at any time, any day, but what are you going to do? How are you going to move through that? How are you going to become better because of it? Yeah, uh, that's wonderful. Put on those rose colored glasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah reframe. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. You also do a lot of volunteer work. Um, would you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah. So this is, I mean, unfortunately, it's something that's kind of, I've had to take my foot off the gas with that during COVID, right? Because we haven't really been able to do a whole heck of a lot of this type of stuff. Um, So, but but volunteer work, like I, I, I'm a big believer that like serving others is the greatest gift that we can give. Um, And I also, you know, from, from a more scientific research perspective, you know, that's my kind of like esoteric perspective, but from a scientific perspective, you know, there have been studies done that show that people who serve others who volunteer are happier and live longer than those who don't. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's, I really do, you know, I think, I think science is kind of catching up with some of these pieces of age old wisdom that we've kind of known for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I I really do think like the secret to life is really just this idea of like servant leadership, right? So how do you, how do you lead by helping others? So it's really kind of about like, you know, focusing on humility and realizing that it's not about you. It's, it's really about everyone else um, and what kind of unique gifts that you have that you can give to the world that will help other people. So um, I do, I do a couple different types of volunteering. Uh, I have my medical volunteering and then I'm really involved in my church as well. So um, with my, with my medical volunteering, a lot of that, that really started when I was in medical school. There's an organization called naturopaths without borders, right? So like doctors. Wow for naturopathic doctors. And we did a lot of work in Mexico. Um, so we would go across the border down to Rocky Point. We also had a local a local clinic in downtown Phoenix for the underserved in downtown Phoenix. And then when I went to Thailand, I went to Thailand with NWB as well. So that's that's been a really incredible um, experience for me and you know I, and I hope for the people who have come to see me too because it was it challenges you like as a, as a doctor and as a human being really to just connect with people from all different walks of life and see you know not not how different we are but really how similar we are and how we all kind of have the same we have the same desires right mm-hmm. we want to be loved we want our families to be taken care of we want to be healthy and it, it doesn't matter where you go that's that's that fits that fits everybody right yeah. you're helping people yeah. with their basic human needs right exactly yeah. exactly yeah oh my gosh that's wonderful so you're just like all over the world like helping people with as a naturopath which is amazing and now here in san diego with your own practice um what should we be thinking about um when when we're thinking about medicine what is what would be some advice that you could give us um, just kind of changing our mindset. Hmm. Let me think, what should we be thinking about? You know, honestly, <laughs> I, I think that, um, 
I think that something that people need to understand, I actually, I recorded a podcast about this yesterday with one of my friends, which is, um, I think that we need to understand that a lot of the things that make you healthy are completely free. So there is kind of this idea out there that you can't afford to be healthy, right? I've heard, I've heard that a lot in a lot of different circles, like, you know, oh, I, I, you know, I just can't afford to eat well, or I can't afford to this type of stuff. A lot of what you can do to make yourself healthy, some of the best health interventions that we know of are actually completely free. And that's things like, like I just talked about serving or volunteering. That's mm -hmm. free. All it costs you is your time. Um, going out into the sunlight, getting that vitamin D exposure, completely free. Drinking water, 100% free, unless you're buying the $5 bottles of water from wherever, you know. <laughs> it should be good quality water. Yeah. <laughs> um, switching your, your food from, from getting like processed packaged foods to more organic whole foods, that will actually save you money. You know, mm. so again, it's going to cost you money, but you, you got to eat, right? So yeah. <laughs> cheaper your foods over to higher quality foods are going to be really important. Um, spending time investing in your relationships with your family, your friends, stuff like that, completely free. Exercise, movement is free, right? Getting outside and moving your body, smiling, laughing, all that type of stuff. These things are all incredibly therapeutic and they're, and they're totally free. So starting there, if you're someone who's like, look, I just really can't afford to go see a naturopathic doctor or I can't afford to, you know, whatever, start there, start with that stuff, you know? And the other part two, I would say of it is um, just understanding that really the things that you do now set the stage for what your life is going to look like in your fifties, your sixties and your seventies, right? So the choices that you make right now play a huge role and what things are going to look like when you're 80. So taking that personal responsibility right now in this moment and saying, you know what, when I'm 80, I want to be able to travel the world still. And I want to be able to be there at my grandchildren's wedding and all those types of things. Think about that, project out what you want your life to look like when you're in the, that age of your life and start making choices now that will get you there. I think that that's so interesting. Like you're, you're having us reframe this idea of health in our mind, kind of like what you were talking about earlier and how, how to like rethink about things. And I guess like thinking about this integrative whole of what it means to be healthy, um, right. which I right. think is, that's so fascinating. And right. A great way to think about oh like each choice that I'm making is a choice to be healthy and like even just like what you were saying about the sunshine that's just yeah. so lovely and um, we can all get that yeah um, yeah especially important right now I totally agree. I couldn't agree with you more it's like now right now in the time that we're in it, we've kind of been forced to get down to the bare bones of things right? Yeah. So, so I mean, get out and get that sunshine, get out and walk around. It's amazing what like a simple 10 to 15 minute walk outside will do for you. It's crazy. Yeah. That, that is just amazing. And I think like, um, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. Um, I grew up in San Diego, but I live in New York right now, but so it's not assured that you'll even get out of your apartment when we've been quarantining. But, um, like, but San Diegans, like you guys have like the beach, you have the sunshine, you have a backyard sometimes. But um, 
every time I get outside here in New York, it's like just that sun is so inviting and warming and like fills your soul in a way. We're wired to need it. You know, yeah. our, our brains actually don't function optimally when we don't get sunlight exposure. You wow. actually, it, it messes up your circadian rhythm. So when I work with patients that have sleep issues, one of the things that we talk about is getting out first thing in the morning and actually getting bright sunlight exposure because that's what tells your brain like, oh, hey, we're awake now. It's time to be awake. And so you get that, that boost of energy in the morning and that's supposed to come from, you know, things like getting that sunlight exposure. And then it's, you're supposed to slowly kind of wind down throughout the rest of the day. And that, so that light, that change in light. So like sunset, as it goes through all those different color changes with the reds and the orange and stuff like that, that's actually sending a signal to your brain to start to transition from daytime awake node to nighttime sleep mode. Wow, that's so fascinating. That's cool. Yeah, I would yeah. never know about that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you think about that, it's like it's not surprising that we have so many people with sleep issues because we're inside most of the time under fluorescent lights, mm-hmm. and your brain has not adapted to that environment yet. Oh, you know? That's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um, and just transitioning us. Uh, into another topic. Um, something that I always ask on the podcast is, um, what is your definition of womanhood? Oh, that's a, that was such an interesting question. When I saw that you sent it over, I was like, oh man, that's an interesting one. How <laughs> yeah. Talk about that. So I wasn't entirely sure how to, how to answer that. So I just kind of listed some of the characteristics that I think that I've found inspiring in women who have really inspired me. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those things are, are things like grace, right? Carrying yourself with a certain way, with a certain kind of confidence and understanding that, that you are worthy and that you, are, um, you have a mission here on earth, right? Mm. Um, the other thing is, is courage, right? So being able to, to do things, uh, not just because you, you're, you're brave or whatever, but be able to do things even though, that they, even though they scare you. So things that you really find valuable and you really think have um, a purpose and a place in this world, you have the courage to stand up for those things and the courage to, to, um, to promote them in your life. In, in whether that be you have the courage to, um, to build a strong family or the courage to start a business, or you know, any number of things. You know, womanhood, I think, isn't, isn't defined to, you know, a woman who stays at home with her kids, or a woman who owns a business, or a woman who does all the things, right? <laughs> like, we, we can do anything, but it's, I, I think what we do is we, we bring a certain, like, air to it that, you know, maybe men, maybe men can, but it's a little bit harder for them to do, you know? So we have this kind of grace, we have this compassion and we have this ability to bring wisdom to certain situations that, um, you know, maybe other people aren't able to bring. Yeah. Oh, I I think that's just awesome. I love asking this question because it is hard and it is like, you have to stop and think a little bit, but I think grace and courage and compassion are all things that like, of course we can get on board with like as womanhood and yeah um and definitely that like womanly wisdom or that that wisdom that's inherent to like the woman Mm -hmm. starting a business or like working at home or or what have you um I think that's that's just wonderful 
Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad you, you like doctor. That. Go lightly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how to answer this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I th- and I think it changes. Like it'll probably change like 30 seconds from now, your definition sure. for it, but hey, as that's what makes it interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you had any advice for a woman just like walking down the street and you could give them like one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh man. Uh, any woman at all, just walking down the street. And I yeah. Just, <laughs> honestly, so everyone has some kind of dream. Everyone has some thing that they want to do with their life, but for one reason or another, they're not doing it. Um, whether that be they want to get healthy so they can run a marathon, whether they want to start that business, um, whether they want to um, renew that relationship with that person in their family. You know, I feel like everyone has something that for some reason they're not quite doing. And there's a number of reasons why. One of the prevailing things that I hear in my office is I don't feel like I'm good enough or I don't feel like I can do that, or I'm scared to, or you know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's some kind of excuse or something that, um, that prevents us from being able to access that like next level of ourselves. Hmm. And so if anyone, anywhere, man or woman even really, is, was wanting one piece of advice for me, it would be to find that thing and just bust through it. Just start making progress on it. Because you do not want to get to the end of your life and say, oh man, I really wish I had done that. And it sucks that I didn't because I was so scared about money. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there, is, there, that is a big fear that's out there of people. Like, what if I don't have the money? What if I fail? What, what will other people think of me? All these types of things that really keep us living like a half life, you know, yeah. you're that's not really full doing what you, what you're here to do. And I just, I believe that each and every person has a unique set of skills and abilities that they can give to the world. And I don't want anyone to go through their whole life not being able to fully express that. So that would be my, my advice to anyone. That's amazing, Dr. Golightly. Was that your practice for you, starting a practice? Yes. Yeah. Starting, starting a practice and having that being really, really a jumping off platform to, to help and inspire people to overcome the things that hold them back. So whether that be, so for me, it's a lot of people with health issues, right? So um, for, for me personally, it was my health issues that drove me forward and helped me to discover all of this type of stuff. So even if, you know, my practice can be a conduit to that for someone else, you know, I've done my job. But um, also to help people kind of reframe some things in their mind. Like almost everyone in my office has some level of anxiety or depression. And one of the common themes with that is, is lack of purpose and fear. And huh. once we start having those types of conversations about like, okay, well, I mean, do you, do you have a purpose in your life? Because I don't believe that your purpose in your life is just to wait to retire, you know? And then what? <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. So many people are living like that. So many people, you know, yes. like when you think about it, like think about the people that you know, there's a lot of them out there who are just, just living so that they can get a paycheck so that then when one day they can retire and then they'll do what they want to do. Wow. But what if you don't get there? Yeah. That's a great like, question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, whenever you talk with me, it's going to get, <laughs> no, 
I need to start reframing things. <laughs> no, it was so wonderful. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add to our listeners? Oh my goodness. I, I think I've added enough. <laughs> I feel like I've given people some stuff to stew on already. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's great. It, it just adds to the conversation. It's wonderful. Um, and how can people find out about your practice? Yeah, so um, I am online at empowermedclinic.com. I'm also on Instagram at Dr. Carly Golightly. Perfect. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Alice. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm just going to stop the recording.